It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Alright, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blue's Disney On Demand. And this week, for show number 103, for the week of March 12, 2015, we're spreading all kinds of magic, fantasy, and we're seeking out to destroy a cauldron, as we have none other than John Biner stopping in here at the show. That's right, John Biner, who you may know from the Black Cauldron, who voiced Gurgi, the iconic hero in the Black Cauldron, Disney's underrated animated classic. He's also been part of Hollywood Squares, the TV sitcom Soap, Transylvania 65000, and the Ed Sullivan Show, among many, many other things. And John is going to stop in and share great stories from his career, Hollywood Squares, bringing Gurgi to life, and many other tidbits from his illustrious career of this TV and film legend in John Biner. In addition, we have the D-Team back. That's right, no show would be complete without the D-Team, and you have questions and he has answers. And Aaron is going to answer all your questions and I want to know. We also have the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort with WDWN2 with our very own Caitlin. And let's take a look back at what just happened this week within the Disney company with This Week in Disney History. And also, let's go deep into the vault. Let's get on down in there and add another Blu-ray and DVD DVD to your collection as Jason is going to uncover a lost Disney gem that you might want to add to your collection this week. We also have news hot off the D-Wire from Frozen, the parks, Hollywood Studios, Star Wars, merchandise, Disney Springs, and many other things. So before I jump into show number 103 here this week, I do want to mention that Diz Radio is proudly sponsored by DVC-Rental.com. At DVC-Rental.com, you can save up to 60% off your next Walt Disney World vacation just by purchasing unused Vacation Club points and staying at the best Walt Disney World resorts like the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, and many other great locations and save up to 60% and spend it on what else? Souvenirs. Just by purchasing those unused Vacation Club points from dvc-rental.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, as you've noticed the music, it's a little bit spookier, a little bit dark, but we're going to add that magic, that fantasy, that flair to this week's show as we are seeking out to uncover all the things that are full of fantasy, magic, and wonder as we have John Biner stopping in here very soon. So all of you D-heads, let's officially kick off show number 103 for the week of March 12th, 2015. How else? By jumping right in to the fantasy. Be right back, all of you D-heads. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Magic Kingdom. You 
are warmly invited to join Mickey Mouse and his Fantasyland friends for a magical celebration in the streets. Dreams will come true, hearts will soar, and you will become a part of the magic. For the time has come to take your places and prepare to welcome the wondrous and wonderful Festival This is the story of the Black Cauldron. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Legend tells of an evil king, so powerful that no prison could hold him. He was thrown into a pot of molten iron, and from this, a great black cauldron was formed. But even inside the cauldron, his spirit was strong, and his wickedness would not die. Whoever used the cauldron for evil would become all-powerful. With it, he could rule the world or destroy it. On a farm in the country of Pradane, 
a young boy named Taran slammed down a bowl of mush in front of his pig, Henwen. I'm too old to be a pig keeper. I could be a hero and fight great battles. The wizard Dalbin watched as Taran swung an imaginary sword. But Henwen is a special responsibility, Taran, for she is a magical pig. And now the time has come to try her gifts. Dalbin poured water into a bowl, and Henwen touched it with her nose. The wizard stirred the water. Henwen, from you I do beseech knowledge that lies beyond my reach. The water glowed, and a dark vision appeared within its depths. Dalbin frowned. Alas, it is as I feared. The evil horned king has learned about the black cauldron, and he wants Henwen's powers to help him find it. And down with that scurvy Prince John! Sing of an English king a thousand years from now, and not because he passed some laws or had that lofty prow. While Bonnie Good King Richard leads the great crusades on, we'll all have to slave away for that good for nothing John. Incredible as he is inept, whenever the history books are kept, they'll call him the phony king of England. Apart from the phony king of England. <laughs> He sits alone on a giant throne Pretending he's the king A little tycoon's rather like A puppet on a string And he throws an angry tantrum If he cannot have his way And then he calls for mom While he's sucking his thumb <laughs> You see, he doesn't want to play Too late to be known as John the First He's sure to be known as John the Worst A pox on that phony king of the Lay that country on me, babe Come on, Johnny Go, honey, go to pieces and he robs us of our bread. King Richard's crown keeps slipping down around that pointed head. Ah, but while there is a merry man in Robin's wily pack, we'll find a way to make him pay and steal our money back. A minute before he knows we're there, old Rob will snatch his underwear. <laughs> And uneasy king of England The snivering, groveling Measly, weasley Blabbering, jabbering Jibbering, jabbering Blundering, plotting Wheeling, dealing Prince John, that phony king of England 
Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Kari only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney On Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig. You know, with the reassuring of the parent and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, LVD heads, I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 103 for the week of March 12, 2015. And as I stated, we're keeping it magical, full of fantasy and all kinds of fun as we have John Viner from the Black Cauldron, Soap, Transylvania 65000, Ed Sullivan, and many other things stopping in here at the show. We have a show full of the D-Team with their signature segments, all kinds of news, and more. So before I just jump into news hot off the D-Wire, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, our latest news blogs, our Lifetime of Disney player, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. You can also join our brand new Facebook discussion group, the Diz Radio D-Wire as well, and get into the thick of all the kinds of Disney discussion right there on our official group and many other ways. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Disney Blue, that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio. And remember, you can always subscribe to our latest shows in iTunes and Stitcher Radio and get the latest shows right there on your mobile device, your Android, and more right there just by subscribing through iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, let's officially kick off this week's show with news hot off the wire and let's talk about legos and how about a lego pinocchio marionette that's right we have recently received a great fantastic press release from somebody who is going out there and trying to get a lego pinocchio marionette considered by the lego company yes michael and his wife are huge disney fans as they put it and on lego's official fan set submission site they have proposed a pinocchio lego marionette that includes a jiminy cricket minifigure now if the project gets over 10,000 supporters then lego will review and set up to see if it would make a viable product now supporting a project like this is absolutely free and it's a win-win for everybody they're very excited about this they've already created a demo product submitted it to lego and you can go ahead and support this product. Now, like I said, there is no money involved, nothing else. Just go there, sign the petition so they can get that 10,000 signatures so Lego may consider it. I myself would love to see a Lego Pinocchio marionette with the Jiminy Cricket minifigure. I mean, that's fantastic. Now, you can find out more about this at ideas.lego.com slash projects slash 97583 and we also have this link in our news feed on disradio.com but you know i think it could be something that would be fun and unique and different i mean come on it's lego everybody loves building with legos now pushing right along here let's get into franchises obtained by disney and how about Star Wars Episode 8 debuting in May of 2017? That's right, the Walt Disney Company announced this week that it will release the 8th installment in the Star Wars sci-fi film franchise on May 26, 2017. 
Bob Iger had said this last Thursday. Now, Iger, speaking at Disney's annual shareholder meeting, also announced that a spin-off from the franchise is set for release on December 2016 called Rogue One. Now, everybody, including myself, is excited for Episode 7 to debut. I, myself, I'm not so much about the story. I just want to see Luke Skywalker back in action. I mean, that's all I really care about. Luke Skywalker back in action. But now they're continuing on with the official release dates for the next movies in the franchise with Episode 8 kicking off on May 26th, 2017 and Rogue One. We all know that phrase, right? Rogue One. But Rogue One is going to debut in December of 2016. Now, moving away from the big screen, and let's get to the small screen, and how about Debbie Ryan, who we all know as the star of Jesse? And Debbie Ryan wants to guest star in Cameron Boyce's brand new Disney XD show. Yes, now that Disney Channel's Jesse is done shooting, Cameron Boyce is getting his own Disney XD show, as we announced here on Diz Radio, called Gamer's Guide to Pretty Much Everything. Now, recently, many people have chatted with Cameron's Jesse co-star, Debbie Ryan, about the possibility of her having a guest starring role in Cameron's new series, and it sounds like it's a go. Debbie has announced exclusively to many resources. Cameron and I were just talking about this the other day. I love him so much and told him I'll do anything I can for you. He and I, when we rapped, we just held each other. It was so heavy at the closing of Jesse. He's my little brother right there and of course, I'd guest star on his show. Now many people are excited for the gamer's guide to pretty much everything and this just really is in vain as to what's happened. I mean, when Good Luck Charlie went off the air, you know, we also had his star went on to do Mighty Meds on Disney XD, and it seems like a lot of the boy actors that are part of many Disney Channel hit shows move on to get their own series on Disney XD, and it seems fitting. I mean, Disney XD has its own huge fan following, but now Jesse, now that it's wrapped and this is the final season, Debbie Ryan has announced that she will guest star on Cameron Boyce's Gamer's Guide to Pretty Much Everything. Now, moving back to the parks here, let's talk about the Disney parks. And many people have talked about the parks, high, low, so many different things, many attractions getting many expansions, and so many other things in the wing. Now, I myself was excited to see the Mickey hat gone. Many people, that's the only thing they know. I mean, it's a big debate in our house. I mean, my wife loves the hat. My kids, that's all they know is the hat. I'm glad to see it gone. But during Disney's corporate shareholders meeting this last week, CEO Bob Iger revealed that the Walt Disney World it will rename Disney's Hollywood Studios for the third time. Now, Iger stopped short when responding to a young girl who asked about the park's name, raising questions that whether Iger intended to reveal or not, Iger said that a new name of the park would be coming in the end. Even though Iger confirmed the park transformation project that Disney has been confirmed in a multiple shareholder and investor conversations, Walt Disney World has yet to formally unveil any new projects at the studios. Now, during the announcement, he had mentioned that the name will be changing as he turned to many people also on stage saying, have we announced that yet? I feel that this wasn't an actual slip-up. I think it was a proposed slip-up. Now, you can call me wrong or whatnot. I don't think Iger accidentally slipped up. I think this is Disney's way of getting buzz to see which way the fans lie because if it's one thing that Disney does do is it listens to the fans and I think this is their way of getting the buzz out there to see if a name change is something truly that people want or which direction the name change should be. 
Now, since its debut in 1989 until 2008, it was known as the Disney MGM Studios, but after the licensing deal with MGM was terminated, in 2008, it became the Disney Hollywood Studios. Now, in other news, Disney officials said that in spring 2016, the current target for opening of Shanghai Disneyland and the new Avatar Land at Disney's Animal Kingdom are still on track for 2017 debuts. Now, that, along with Star Wars and many other things coming, there is so many things on the horizon. I mean, it is huge going on, but yes, we can still see Avatar Land as well. But Hollywood Studios getting a name change and Avatar Land still a go. I'm not sure of this direction, but I keep my personal opinions to myself. Now, moving along here, let's talk about designers, and I myself being a designer of many sorts here, let's talk about Michael Graves, the renowned architect of many Disney buildings, has now passed away at age 80. Michael Graves, the influential architect whose whimsical postmodern style was well-suited to buildings such as the Dwarves Beckon Team Disney Building and several Disney theme park hotels, died this last Thursday in Princeton, New Jersey. He was 80 years old and had been paralyzed from chest down as a result of a spinal cord infection since 2003. Now, the 1986 Team Disney building on Burbank lot had many hints of the Memphis group style that influenced Graves' household objects designs, such as his tea kettles, and many of the iconic Seven Dwarves were integrated into the influence design. Now, Graves went on to design the Walt Disney World's distinctive Dolphin and Swan Resorts in Orlando and a pair of unusually shaped pink and blue buildings topped with giant animal statues. Now, meant to look like the Art Deco of New York buildings, his 1989 Disney Hotel New York at Disneyland Paris was more subdued with colorful postmodern touches. Now, former Disney president Michael Eisner once said, Michael Graves is an architect for whom design has no boundaries. There is no such thing as insignificant objects. Now, he designed dozens of other prominent hotels, universities, residence, public buildings, such as Oregon's 1982 Portland Building, considered the first postmodern building of its time. Now, his collaboration with Target also included designing several buildings for the company, as well as a popular line of blue-accented modern housewares. Now, he has now passed away at age 80 and truly will be missed. Now, moving along here, let's get back to the movie screens and how about Frozen? Because that's possibly a name for Hollywood Studios, right? Disney's Frozen Studios. I see it coming, right? Disney's Frozen Studios. But anyways, Frozen 2 has now officially been announced. Yes, Disney has officially announced plans to produce the sequel to Frozen. Now, the company revealed plans during the annual shareholders meeting, as I stated this last week. Now, the first film's directors, Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck, are developing the project with producer Peter Delvico for the Walt Disney Animation Studios, which took home the Oscar for Best Animated Feature Film. Now, the release date and production details are yet to be confirmed, but John Lass Chief Executive Officer of Walt Disney Pictures and Pixar Animation Studios made the announcement with Bob Iger and Josh Gad, who voiced the character of Olaf in Frozen. Now, the sequel doesn't come as much of a surprise, considering how the first film continues to be a major money-making force for Disney since its release November 22nd of 2013 and helped reinvent and get that energy once again for Walt Disney Animation Studios. Now, Frozen has already earned $1.3 billion at the box office, and that's not including the merchandising and many other things, including with Frozen Fever, which reunites many of the characters in a fun short that is getting released this weekend right before Cinderella. So this is, you know, huge news, more sequels on the horizon. I do want to see something that is new coming out of the studios, but 
you know, hey, you know, as long as it's good for the company and as long as it's making children happy, let's go for it. I just hope they don't have Disney's Frozen Studios. Now, since we are talking about the parks and uh, little hints there, how about Disney's Magic Kingdom? The Dole Whip and Turkey Leg locations are moving. Yes, two popular snacks at the Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom are going to be changing locations. And right now, they are going to be placed at all new places. Now, Aloha Isle, home of the famous Dole Whip, will now be swapping locations with the Sunshine Tree Terrace starting this week, according to the Disney Parks blog. Now, guests can now find the Dole Whip float, the Dole Whip cup, and the Dole Whip twist behind the magic carpets of Aladdin attraction, while the Sunshine Tree Terrace will continue to offer its citrus swirl and other treats in spots across from the Swiss Family Treehouse. Now, Magic Kingdom's iconic turkey legs are going to be leaving Frontierland and Liberty Square to move to Tomorrowland at the Cool Ship starting March 25th. I think that seems like a really odd place for Turkey Lakes, Tomorrowland. I mean, of all places, Tomorrowland. I mean, Frontierland, Liberty Square, it makes sense. It, it just it fits with the time and the era and the feel. I mean, a Turkey Lake in Tomorrowland. I don't know what's going on here, but are we losing sight of having fantastic themes to each land? But both locations getting changed, but fear not, you can still get them at the parks. And as we continue on with the parks, and you know, since there's a lot of park news, how about Walt Disney World Resort to start its summer with 24-hour-long celebrations? Yes, now with Memorial Day weekend as the unofficial start of summer, it is still some time away, but the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida announced this week that it will be starting its 2015's coolest summer event with a 24-hour celebration at the Magic Kingdom. It has been told that the park will be opened for guests from 6 a.m. on May 22nd through 6 a.m. on May 23rd that Saturday. Now, also, the event is going to be hosted by the most loved snowman since Frosty, Olaf, the animated hit Frozen. Yes, Frozen continues to make its way everywhere. Now, Disney character greetings and various dance parties are just a few of the entertaining features that guests can enjoy, apart from many of the well-known rides and attractions at the Magic Kingdom. Now, in order to celebrate this announcement this last week, Disney Parks constructed a miniature Cinderella castle out of sand and a makeshift beach in Boston, which experienced a near-record snowfall this last winter. Now, Disney Parks social media director Tom Smith in a Disney Parks blog post wrote, As you may have seen on ABC's Good Morning America, we have some true Disney magic in winter-weary Boston by creating a warm summer scene inspired by Olaf in Summer Dream. Now, once the 24-hour-long celebration will be ended, Disney Park guests can look forward to a handful of notable events all throughout the summer. Some of the highlights at Walt Disney World are going to include Frozen Summer Fun Live, which will go on from June 17th to September 7th, Star Wars Weekends from May 25th through June 14th, and many others. Now, this is apart from what's going on across the country at California's Disneyland Resort, where they're going to celebrate 60 years of Disneyland with its own 24-hour event on May 22nd and 23rd as well. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to wrap up news here, take a break. You have questions, he has answers, and Aaron is going to answer all your questions, and I want to know. We also have the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort with WDW and 2 with our very own Caitlin, and many other things on the horizon. So right before I release the reins here to the D-team, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by DVC-Rental.com, where you can save up to 60% on your next Walt Disney World vacation just by purchasing unused Vacation Club points 
from Vacation Club members. And it's exclusively at dvc-rental.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, we are gearing up as we uncover more fantasy, magic, and more as we have John Biner, yes, Gergi from the Black Cauldron, stopping in here very shortly, more from the D-team, and all kinds of fun. And I will be back with more news hot off the D-wire. So I'm going to release the reins to the D-team, and uh, let's just have some fun and keep the show rolling for show number 103 for the week of March 12, 2015. Be right back, all of you D-heads, and take it away, D-team. It really doesn't matter what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flair. What effect a little smoke is with a dash of hocus pocus and the scent of burning sulfur in the air. I'm a fraud, a hoax, a charlatan, a joke, but they love me everywhere. For it really doesn't matter what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flair. And it really doesn't matter what I say, what I say, as long as I say it with a flair. First I rattle off a ready stock of gibberish and puffycock and fix you with my best hypnotic stare. With my moans and groans and soporific tones, they have cheered me everywhere. For it really doesn't matter what I say, what I say, I sell it when I tell it with a seam, a salabim, the magician's nursery rhyme. Abra! Cadabra! You succumb to it every time. Wave a stick, and each trick will mystify and disarm. In fact, to coin a fitting phrase, it works like a charm. So it really doesn't matter what I brew, what I brew, as long as I brew it with a flare. Though I've never cast a magic spell, I make the motions very well. My showmanship is far beyond compare. I'm a rogue, a rake. A mountain bank of fake, but I do whatever I dare. For it really doesn't matter what I do, what I do. You buy my charms and boxes, cause they come in fancy boxes. To improve your ugly daughter, I've a vial of colored water. And my magic incantations can be framed as decorations, though there's really nothing to it. And of course you all see through it. You love me cause I do it with a flower. Legend has it, there was once a king so cruel and so evil that the gods feared him. Since no prison could hold him, he was trapped forever in the form of a great black cauldron. The old king, that black-hearted devil. Walt Disney Pictures presents The Black Cauldron. Escape into a world of darkness. Are you coming? Me? Go in there? Oh, no, no, no. It's a terrible place. A world of excitement. (sighs) 
A world of dreams. Aaron, the greatest warrior, a true hero. And through the magic of 70mm photography and six-track Dolby sound, you will be transported to a fantasy event for the entire family. Look! Look, sire! It's working! Soon, the Black Cauldron will be mine. In the great tradition of Disney animated classics, now comes the newest Disney spectacle of them all, The Black Cauldron. Hello, kitties. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. <laughs> You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and I'm back with another installment of I Want to Know. I want to encourage everyone to send me questions directly at Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. It'll make getting your questions easier, and it will give me a chance to interact more with everyone. So, thanks in advance. Well, the virtual mailbag is full, so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Corey of California, and he writes, Aaron and the Diz Radio team, my question is about Ferdinand the Bull. This is a great Disney short. Can you tell me more on it? Was it inspired by anything? Was there any songs or music released to coincide with it? And is it available anywhere to purchase? Thank you in advance. Well, this is a fun short. Ferdinand the Bull is a Walt Disney cartoon released on November 25, 1938, by RKO Radio Pictures. It was directed by Dick Richard and based on the book The Story of Ferdinand by Monroe Leaf. This is the story of Ferdinand the Bull who would rather sit under a tree and smell flowers than do the things that bulls do. And when he is mistakenly taken to the bullfighting ring, he is more interested in the flowers than bullfighting. There was a book sequel to this cartoon called Ferdinand and the Bullies, a part of the Walt Disney's Fun to Read Library. Ferdinand the Bull won the 1938 Academy Award for Best Short Subject Cartoons. You can find this film on Disney Rarities Celebrated Shorts 1920s to 1960s released on DVD in 2005, Walt Disney's Timeless Tales Volume 2, The Ugly Duckling, Wind in the Willows, the Country Cousin released on DVD in 2005, the Walt Disney Animation Collection Classic Short Films Volume 6, The Reluctant Dragon released on DVD in 2009, and of course it's available to watch on YouTube. Our next question is from Karen Dressler of Missouri and she writes, I've been looking for an old Disney TV special, I think it was where they explained about the Pirates Ride and Hall of Presidents. I cannot find it anywhere most likely since I am unfamiliar with what it may be called or where it aired. Any help is appreciated. Well, I believe you're referring to two different specials. The first one is called Disneyland, From the Pirates of the Caribbean to the World of Tomorrow, which was an episode from the wonderful world of Disney that originally aired January 21st, 1968. A portion of the episode, also titled Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color, was included on the DVD release of Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. The show starts off with a clip from Disneyland 10th Anniversary Show that shows Walt Disney describing 
Pirates of the Caribbean attraction when it was in the conception stage. The program then shows how Walt's dream was realized by presenting footage of opening day for the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, as well as showing audiences going inside the ride itself. The other special you're remembering was the grand opening of Walt Disney World, which is a musical television special celebrating and highlighting the opening ceremonies of the Walt Disney World Resort. It aired on NBC on October 29, 1971. Some of the highlights include Glenn Campbell performing Today is Mine, Julie Andrews performing When You Wish Upon a Star, Zippity Doodah, and It's a Small World, and appearances by Bob Hope and Jonathan Winters. Buddy Hackett drives Herbie through the Grand Prix Raceway, it also had a sneak peek of the three Florida exclusive attractions, the Hall of Presidents, Country Bear Jamboree, and the Mickey Mouse Review. Both specials are available to watch on YouTube, so I hope that answers your question. And our final question this week is from Maria of Dallas, Texas, and she writes, Disney On Demand, love the show. I'm a new listener, with your most recent show being my introduction to you. With that, it got me thinking about old Disney TV shows and Boy Meets World. Was that part of the Friday Night lineup? Have they ever gone to Disney in any of the episodes, as many of those old shows like to do? Thank you from a new D-Head. Well, welcome to the D-Head family. We're glad to have you. Make sure and check out our past shows on DizRadio.com. Boy Meets World was a great show. The show ran from 1993 to 2000 on ABC on Fridays as part of the network's TGIF lineup. The Disney World episode you're looking for is called The Happiest Show on Earth, Season 3, Episode 21. The episode takes place while Cory and Topanga, having been apart for three months, Cory's been dating as many girls as he can. When he calls one of them Topanga, he realizes how much he really cares. However, his plan to woo Topanga are interrupted when she wins an essay contest in class which sends her to Disney World for a week. Corey, with the help of Sean and Eric, flies to Florida in an attempt to win her back. It's a great episode, and I hope everyone's enjoying the new Girl Meets World. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads.
WDWN2, a quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. And do I have news for you? Lots was announced this week, so let's get started. In attraction news, Soarin' and Toy Story Mania will both be expanded by the end of 2016. They'll be adding another theater to Soren and updating the projection system. And for Toy Story Mania, they'll be expanding the Midway track. We were thrilled to hear that two of our favorite attractions will be made even better so soon. In merchandise news, you have the rest of this weekend to get your hands on some of the coolest limited edition Disney Parks t-shirts we've seen released yet. One is inspired by vintage date night at Disneyland advertisements, while another is tribute to the Dapper Dans. They're only available for purchase through the 15th, so head over to the DisneyStore.com right now to pick one up, or maybe even both. And the biggest news yet is, of course, that the annual 24-hour event is scheduled to kick off summer once again at the Magic Kingdom over Memorial Day weekend. The Magic Kingdom will be open from 6 a.m. May 22nd through 6 a.m. May 23rd, and you can even dress to show off your Disney side. 
The 24-hour event leads into the coolest summer ever at Walt Disney World, where Frozen Summer Fun Live will once again return to Hollywood Studios. And of course, I'm sure they'll be announcing more summer fun surprises in the coming months. Also, did you know that the Marketplace Co-op just got a Wonderground Gallery? Make sure to head over next time you're in the downtown Disney area to check out all of the new posters and art. Thanks for listening, and until next time, don't forget, you can fly! man was tied to a wall. There's been a mistake. I'm not a spy. I'm just Fluter Flam, a singer. As Torrin quickly untied him, a guard burst in. <laughs> Torrin drew his sword. With a flash of magical energy, it sliced through the air, shattering the guard's weapon. The prisoners dashed upstairs and ran for the drawbridge. Creeper and the guards raced after them. We've got you now. Boy. Torrin slashed the drawbridge chain. The gate dropped between them and the guards. They were safely outside. Fluter grinned. Why didn't you tell me you had a magic sword? Suddenly, Gurgi jumped out of the trees and pulled Torrin's sleeve. 
faster. Could you remember? Saw Piggy's tracks. Better Piggy. They came to a lake. Taran pointed to some stepping stones. Look, they're Henwen's footprints. As Gergi started across, the water began to spin. Taran and the others tried to grab him, but the whirlpools swirled faster and faster, pulling them all in. It's Disney Blues, Disney on demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, OVG heads, so I am back, and I want to extend a very special thank you to Aaron and Caitlin, both for stopping in here with your signature segments. And remember, you can always connect up with the D-Team and also shoot Aaron your latest questions right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can get the latest questions into him, connect up with the D-Team, Fear not, they don't bite. So all of you D-heads, as we continue down our trip of fantasy, magic, and fun here this week, as we are setting out to destroy a cauldron, we have none other than John Biner, the voice of Gurgi from the Black Cauldron, stopping in here very shortly, and more. So let's just jump right into more news hot off the D-wire. And how about Disney Interactive launching Cinderella Freefall on mobile devices? Yes, Disney Interactive has announced the launch of Cinderella Freefall, the third title in its popular puzzle franchise, which combines famous Disney properties with Match 3 gameplay. Now, the first two games that were set in this world were Frozen and Maleficent, while the third based on it is of the upcoming live-action version of Cinderella, which hits theaters this weekend. Now, the first two Freefall games have been downloaded more than 105 million times for a combined total of more than 51 billion minutes being played. Now, in Cinderella Freefall, players begin as young Ella, joined by her animal friends Gus and Jacqueline, as they complete 100 levels by making matches with butterfly jewels on each of the game boards. Now, each level has a move limit and a different requirement from earning a large number of points to collecting large quantities of specific kinds of gems and so on and so forth. Now, gameplay here sees players tapping and dragging their fingers across groups of light-colored gems to remove them from the screen, much like Candy Crush. Let's Let's just be out in front with it. It's like Candy Crush. It's a knockoff. Now, you got a lot of different ways and combinations from six gems, for instance, and more as you continue to have them drop and go. Now, players can earn up to three butterflies on each stage and depending on their final score. Now, if gamers fail to complete a level before running out of moves, they lose a life, which recharges over time and... Of course, there's probably a buy-in as that as well. Now, additional power-ups are available for purchase during the game and many other things. Now, Cinderella Freefall is available to download for free in the iTunes App Store, Google Play, and Windows Phone Store. They are fun. I have to admit it. You know, I don't play Candy Crush, but I have played Maleficent, and it is a fun little side little game. Now, moving back to franchises, we've already talked about Star Wars. Let's talk about Marvel, and how about Disney announcing Marvel's plans for 2015? In a press-stated statement at Business Investors, Disney Consumer Products have been announcing its Marvel plans for this year, and this is what has been announced so far. Disney Publishing Worldwide is going to start publishing young adult and mid-grade novels based on the Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Spider-Man, as well as many applications to coincide with these publications. Now, Netflix TV series is coming with Daredevil, as well as Iron Fist and many others that are going to be on hand like Marvel Knights and many others. Now, partners with these promotions are going to include nutritious foods, sporting goods, as well as Under Armour, Sage Fruit, 
and granola bars, as well as Crunch Pack and many others that are going to combine with many of these entities with Disney. Now, running from the end of September for the first five weeks is going to be called Marvel Superhero Spectacular, which is going to include an enhanced marketing and retail strategy for more partners and merchandise offerings than any deal has had in history. Now, you're going to have a lot of great things, and the campaign is going to focus on many core Marvel franchises, including the Avengers, Spider-Man, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, there is a lot of great things on here that Disney wants to turn around because they spent $4 billion on Marvel, and, you know, it's starting to look like nothing compared to all the return that they're getting from any of these characters. Now, getting into the small screen, last week here at the show, somebody talked about Gravity Falls with Aaron and I Want to Know, and you hear us talk about Gravity Falls as well. Well, for many of you out there who love Gravity Falls and your youngsters who are listening in as well, because, come on, we are a family show, Gravity Falls Grunkle Stan, is he not what he seems? Yes, Disney XD is now answering a variety of these on their episodes. Now, I'm not going to get into the specifics of the show because I'm sure if you don't watch it, you don't care if Grunkle Stan is something that, you know, he is not to see. But what I do want to share with you is what was said in an interview with the creators of Gravity Falls, and they are doing something that has not been seen on an animated show before. They are creating an animated show where each episode is its own, of course, with big, longer story arcs that complete a season, much like Lost and many others. Now, this is uncharted territory for many young people that are watching animated shows. I mean, this is going to carry on, say, season one of Gravity Falls. Each one is an individual episode. You have unique things, you have ciphers to decode, but at the same time, it is a continuing going on story with creative arcs. And this uncovering who Grunkle Stan is, is something that is going to be, uh, I guess, you know, groundbreaking for animated series and young adults. Now, let's just say that it is really exciting, something different, something on the horizon, And it is paying off because just last month, Hirsch and the Gravity Falls production team were honored with a 2015 Annie Award for the Best Animated Television Broadcast Production for a children audience. Now, as they have released, we know that we're taking a big chance when we do something like this, he stated. We know that we could possibly turn off viewers, but Gravity Falls fans might say, this isn't what I signed up for. But as I and a great team of artists worked together to blocking out season two, we kept asking ourselves, what would we want to watch? And what would we want to have fun writing? So this is the direction we took, and every time a character appears on screen, you can bet that it is not going to be repetitious, and it's going to be fun. So this is something new for Gravity Falls territory. Now, moving into the big screen, Tomorrowland. Everybody knows about Tomorrowland, George Clooney, and all that kind of fun. Well, the newest trailer for Tomorrowland has been released, and everybody's excited for it. I'm not sure what to make of this film yet, but hey, in the newest trailer, you did catch a glimpse of the Tomorrowland logo, as well as Space Mountain in the horizon. Now, if you are somebody, uh, you know, unlike me, who you want to just see everything that the film has to offer in advance, check out the Japanese trailer. Now, the Japanese trailer for Tomorrowland, the newest one that got released, pretty much spells out the entire movie. You find more hints of Disneyland, Tomorrowland, and more, but if you don't like spoilers, don't watch that Japanese trailer, but if you do, check it out. It is extended, it's long, and they pretty much tell everything about it. Now, some people are asking, why did they do that? Well, come on. It is in a different country. You have to sell them more on an American movie, you know, promoting it over there. But the newest American teaser has been released. We saw Space Mountain. We got a more glimpse into what the film is going to be, and I'm not sure what to make of this yet. 
Now, since I am talking about films, let's talk about Dumbo. And how about Tim Burton directing Dumbo? Yes, the Walt Disney Company wanted to jump on and pounce onto an A-list director to do a live-action adaption of Dumbo. Yes, as they continue doing Maleficent, Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, live-action adaptions of many of their classic films, Dumbo is in the next wings. Now, everybody has been in a tizzy all over Facebook and websites and more saying, Tim Burton, oh my god, it's going to be so weird. It's going to be crazy. Well, the one thing I'm going to pull back in is, yes, it's Tim Burton. Do we think we're going to see a cameo by uh, Johnny Depp? Most likely. But... Did everyone forget how fantastic, how wonderful, what great storytelling and visuals Big Fish brought for Tim Burton? Big Fish was a phenomenal movie. Now, if he does Dumbo in the same vein as Big Fish, this is going to be a glorious, beautiful film. So remain optimistic. I think there will be a great direction, and it is early stages. Just because he was announced doesn't mean he's going to be sticking with the project. I just hope that Disney will create some new live-action films as well. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, that is it from the D-Wire here this week. Uh, a lot of news going on, a lot of different things going on within the company, but we have more coming from the D-Team as we're going to take a look back at Disney history with This Week in Disney History. What has happened this week throughout the Disney company's fantastic legacy and history as Nathan's going to bring that to you. And the next time I come on, we're going to have none other than John Biner. Yes, the voice of Gurgi stopping in here at the show. So, we have a lot of great things on the horizon. We have more as we we uncover magic and fantasy with the Black Cauldron, John Biner stopping in, the D-Team, and more. So I'm going to release the reins to Nathan, and the next time you hear me, I might be surrounded by some cauldron born, but none other than a hero in Gurgi with John Biner. Be right back, all of you D-heads, and take it away, Nathan. <laughs> now don't tell me you've never heard of the marvelous Madame Mim! Well, no, I don't guess so. Madame Mim? Why, boy, I'm the greatest. I'm truly marvelous. With only a touch, I have the power. Zim, Zabrim, Bim, you without a flower. I find delight in the gruesome and grim. Oh, that's terrible. Thank you, my boy. But that's nothing, nothing for me. Oh, because I'm the magnificent, marvelous mad Madam Mim. You know what? I can even change size. I can be huge. Oh, in the whole house. I can be teeny, small as a mouse. Black sorcery is my dish of tea. <laughs> it comes easy to me. I'm the
Hi again, D-Heads. Welcome to another installment of This Week in Disney History. I'm Nathan, and ready to take you through another segment's worth of historical Disney facts and potential trivia. La Ela Palrig Sonadich, which is Gaelic for Happy St. Patrick's Day. Good old St. Patty's Day is fast approaching, and I couldn't be more excited. It's one of my favorite events of the year. So here's a toast to all the celebrators of the Irish out there. Branching off that, let's begin. Schlointa, or cheers. We begin this week in Disney history in 1905 when comic actor Richard Hayden, the voice of a caterpillar in Disney's 1951 classic Alice in Wonderland, is born in London, England. Moving on to 1909, Walt Disney's grandmother Mary Richardson Disney passes away in Ellis, Kansas. Born in 1838 in Ireland, she was married to Keppel Disney. In 1911, animator and Disney legend John Lounsbury, one of Walt's original nine old men, is born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Moving on to 1924, actor Sean McClory is born in Dublin, Ireland. His Disney credits include the live-action features The Gnomemobile, The Happiest Millionaire, and Follow Me Boys. In 1928, on a train ride back to California from New York City with his wife Lillian, Walt Disney sends his brother and business partner Roy a Western Union telegram that reads, Leaving tonight, stopping over KC, arrive home Sunday morning, 7.30. Don't worry, everything okay, we'll give details when arrive. This is in reference to the fact that, although the Disney brothers have probably lost their animated creation Oswald the Rabbit to Charles Mintz, Walt has bigger and better plans, all beginning with a mouse. Also in 1928, comedian, actor, writer, and film director Billy Crystal, the voice of Mike Wazowski in Monsters, Inc. and Mike Carr in Cars, is born in Long Beach, New York. In 1950, Bruce Healy, composer, arranger, conductor, and music director for Walt Disney Attractions, is born in St. Louis, Missouri. In 1953, writer Ridley Pearson is born in Glen Cove, New York. Raised in Riverside, Connecticut, he began writing suspense and thriller novels more geared towards an adult audience, but later on branched out and wrote a bunch of books for children. After his daughter asked him how Peter Pan met Captain Hook, Pearson teamed up with his longtime friend Dave Barry to co-author Peter and the Starcatchers, which was a prequel to Peter Pan. They later pronounced two further sequels, Peter and the Shadow Thieves and Peter and the Secret of Rundoon. Ridley Pearson has also wrote seven books total so far in another series called The Kingdom Keepers, which is set inside Walt Disney World's The Magic Kingdom Park in Florida. Seven books are starting with The Kingdom Keepers, Disney After Dark, Disney at Dawn, Disney in Shadow, Power Play, Shell Game, Dark Passage, and wraps up with Kingdom Keeper 7, The Insider. There's also many rumors going around about a new series being started up of continuing the adventures of the Kingdom Keepers, as well as possibly a movie in the works, so that would be some really cool uh, news for Disney fans alike. Anyways, moving on to 1956, voice actor Rob Paulson is born in Detroit, Michigan. Best known for his extensive roles as the voices of animated characters such as Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, his Disney credits are vast and include The Little Mermaid 3, Fox and the Hound 2, Kingdom Hearts 2, Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas, Mulan 2, there's a sequel trend here, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, The Three Musketeers, Teacher's Pet, Stitch the Movie, and Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True. Moving on to 1969, actor and singer Terrence Howard is born in Chicago, Illinois. He is the voice of James, who is Tiana's father in Disney's 09 feature, The Princess and the Frog. 
1969, Disney's film The Love Bug, starring Dean Jones, Michelle Lee, Buddy Hackett, and Joe Flynn, is generally released. In 1983, country singer-songwriter Carrie Underwood is born in Muskogee, Oklahoma. You may not only recognize her as a rookie American Idol star, moving on to bigger and better things, but she also contributed to the soundtrack for Disney's Enchanted, singing Ever Ever After in 2007. In 1984, Touchstone Pictures, part of the Disney family, releases its first film, Splash, directed by Ron Howard, starring Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, and John Candy. In 1985, today is General Electric's last day as corporate sponsor of the Disney World's Carousel of Progress attraction. GE's association with the attraction goes all the way back to the 1964-65 New York's World Fair. In 1986, the Pirates of the Caribbean and Alice's Tea Party attractions both open in Tokyo Disneyland. In 1992, actress-singer Emily Osment, who played Lily Truscott on Disney Channel's Hannah Montana, was born in Los Angeles, California. In 1999, Disney's Dog Live officially debuted at the ABC TV Theater at the Disney MGM Studios in Florida. The 30-minute musical stage show is based on the cartoon series Doug, and it will be performed five times a day and go through May 2001 for two years. In 2000, the Omnimover vehicles are removed from the Closed Horizons attraction in Epcot. Since the beginning of this month, the building had been emptied and is in many preparation stages for demolition. Eventually down the road, Mission Space will take its place. In 2001, Disney Channel's original movie, The Luck of the Irish, airs. A teenager must battle for a gold charm to keep his family from being controlled by an evil leprechaun. And it'll also be the network's highest-rated original movie in the past three years. In 2004, St. Patrick's Day is celebrated today, tomorrow, and on Wednesday the 17th at Disney World's Pleasure Island. In 2006, actress Rhoda Williams, the voice of Drizella in Disney's 1950 animated feature Cinderella, passes away at the age of 75 in Oregon. In 2008, celebrities visiting Disney's, Disney World's Magic Kingdom on this day include entertainer Wayne Newton and St. Louis Cardinals All-Star first baseman Albert Pujols. In 2010, Princess Tiana from Disney's The Princess and the Frog is officially inducted into the Disney Princess Royal Court at the New York Palace Hotel in New York City. Actress Anika Nonini Rose, the voice of Tiana, attends. And we finish out this week in Disney history D-Heads with 2013 when Disney's fantasy adventure Oz the Great and Powerful opening in conventional 2D as well as in the Disney Digital 3D, Real D 3D, and IMAX 3D formats. And also in 2013 Mulan is released to Disney Blu-ray and HD Digital. Well D-Heads, that's all again for this week in Disney history. Hope you enjoyed and learned something maybe you didn't know. Have a great week, happy St. Paddy's Day, and see you real soon. Cooper and their dealings with pressed envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. Our next movie is a brand new full-length animated adventure cartoon from the Walt Disney Studios. And no matter how uneven the Disney output may have been in recent years, I always wait with a lot of anticipation for their new animated films. Maybe because of all the great memories I have of Disney classics, Pinocchio. Snow White. Those were the. Movies. I bet you could go on and on and name other ones. I could too. name 32 more, I believe. <laughs> and you know, when I was a kid, I thought animated films were more real than live-action films because the edges were sharper and the colors were brighter. Right. That's before I realized that most people look like you and not like Pinocchio. Although it's close. Did you ever the identify with Dumbo? <laughs> with Dumbo? Yeah. No, I never did identify. How about with Mrs. Jumbo? <laughs> no, I never identified with Mrs. Jumbo either. You know. Okay. And I'm sure that you. <laughs> I think we'd better. 
just move on and yeah, review the film. Thank okay. you. And because I'm thinking in a second of who you would identify with, <laughs> right. but I'm afraid it wouldn't be in a Disney film. <laughs> yeah, go right ahead. The one, what was the one from the Black Lagoon? And this new <laughs> film is close. It's called The Black Cauldron. And I'm happy to say that I really did like this movie because one moment I was sitting there thinking profound film critic type thoughts about the future of animation and whether this would make it or not. The next minute, I was into the story itself and really having a good time. This movie tells the story of a legendary black cauldron, which is the source of evil in the kingdom, and the struggle by a young warrior named Terran who seeks to find the cauldron before it's captured by the evil horned king. <laughs> but first, in this scene, we meet some of the characters in the film. Oh, never mind. No telling where Henwin is by now. Oh, Master, Master. Now, go to the mother. Yes, yes. Now, you shall find Gunther's father, Piggy Run. Yes, right through the forest. Before long in this movie, the young warrior and a beautiful princess are the captives of the evil horn king. My, such a brave man is a proof of a pig boy's colorly made. And a broken down minstrel. Perhaps it may interest you to see what will be to happen in store for you. <laughs> now I guy is named the creeper and he's a little servant who kowtows to the horn king all the time he kind of reminded me of mel brooks in the 12 chairs remember uh, right. crawling around on his knees and kissing the hands of all of his servants and masters and so forth i really liked it i mentioned again the way that this movie is filled with all kinds of characters like that and i also like the special effects of the whole movie being animated as special effects but the idea of that cauldron with the tower of flame and so forth and when the cauldron explodes and everything at the end of the movie it's kind of thrilling it's kind of exciting the plot of the black cauldron is fairly involved and perhaps i ought to explain that one of the best friends of that young warrior is a cute little pig who is psychic and who has the power of being able to look into a pot of soup and make the pot of soup mirror the location of the black cauldron now this led to one of the funniest experiences i've ever had as a movie critic gene i have to tell this story on you because here you are, a college graduate, a yeah. philosophy major. We're sitting there looking at the black cauldron, and suddenly I realize that Gene has come over next to my chair, and he's whispering, But Raj, if the pig is psychic, why can't they find out where the black cauldron is before the horned king does? And I'm thinking, that's a good point. Then I'm realizing, this is really an interesting conversation for adults to be having, you know, this right. uh, the, credibility, right. the credibility of psychic pigs. And yes. so I hand it over to you. You think that the problems like that in the plot well that's uh, that's one problem really bothers there's you. another problem which is that supposedly this black cauldron is the source of evil in the world you know uh -huh. 
Well, the king, the, the, uh, the, the uh, bad guy, is already evil. He's plenty evil. He's so evil that everyone's afraid of him. So what does he need the cauldron for? Well, I think if he gets the cauldron, then he can be even more evil, and he can oh, rule well, everything that's, that's and take over that's the entire kingdom. Right, yeah. right now, he's not doing so bad. I don't see anybody else with a franchise around the, the neighborhood. <laughs> uh, I liked the creeper. I loved the pig. Uh -huh. If the movie were about the creeper and the pig, fine. Uh -huh. The human characters, the quote human characters with their English accents, why not make it a good old Americans? You know, that's what I liked about Snow White. It had a nice American voice. Anyway, no. Then it would be fine. I think that all the human characters in the film are, are ridiculous. I love some of the animals. There is one nice scene, I'll give you credit for, for what you're saying about filling the frame, mm -hmm. where they have a whole bunch of, like, fireflies, it looks like, or something uh -huh. like that. That's beautiful to see. That reminds me of the house being filled in snow white with all the little birds and all that garbage. Well, I'll go this far with you. I think that when you're talking about the heroes being too much of a clean-cut, oh. uh, uncomplicated, it's the same thing that they did in The Man with One Red Shoe, where Tom Hanks is the hero. Right. And he doesn't want to be too silly or too ridiculous because he's got to be the romantic lead. Here, it's a cartoon character, but they do the same thing. Yeah. The, the lead in the cartoon the, the, the is the least interesting character in the cartoon. But on the other hand, the Horned King, with a voice by John Hurt. Yeah. That's a fabulous character. Well, I don't know if it's fabulous. I mean, the, the, the witch in Snow White blows this guy off the map completely. I don't know. I think it'd be a pretty good... Uh, this, takes, is, this is really getting me yeah, fascinating. Uh, Who's worse, the witch or the Horned King? We could, right. we could talk about this all night. Let's take, though... Another look at the movies we reviewed on this week's program. Finally, with split decision on the Black Cauldron, I voted thumbs up for the Disney animated adventure, but Gene thought the story was too shaky to support the characters, even though, I want to be sure I'm right about this, yes. you like the pig. Lo love the pig. Love the pig. Camera! 
action! It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest! All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many of those are some that you experience on the silver screen as well as on television. And with us here this week is somebody that is no stranger to either of those mediums. You know him from soap, uh, game shows like Hollywood Squares, as well as for all of you Disney fans, from the Black Cauldron, the voice of Gurgi. You know, we have the one, the only, the comedian, John Viner here. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Well, thanks a lot, Jonathan. Appreciate it. Our pleasure having you on. I mean, somebody with your resume and, you know, every time you're turning on the TV or something, you know, we're always seeing your face. But I love to start it out all the time. What got you into acting? Um, uh, let's see. <laughs> I'm from a family of six. And uh, one day I opened my mouth and I got a lot of attention. So I kept opening my mouth. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, I'd, I'd be uh, awakened by my mother sometimes, and, and she said, go, go, you have to go downstairs and, and, and show Aunt Annie what you did, what that thing you did with the thing, you know. So uh, it, my family encouraged me uh, to uh, do voices and things, and and uh, like that, you know. And I made the kids in school laugh uh, so much so that I made a few trips to the principal's office, and by the time you got to his place, it wasn't funny anymore. But um, that's that's about it, you know. I got into it, and uh, I uh, I joined the Navy after high school, and uh, and uh, made the guys in the Navy laugh, and uh, you know, on and on and on. And when I got out, I tried different things, and I tried a couple of uh, uh, talent shows in the low, uh, out on Long Island, and it was always the uh, banker's daughter with the patent leather shoes that danced. That tap dance would win, so I thought show show business was all set up. You know, it was all like uh, uh, who you know kind of thing. So I I didn't do too much of that after a while. And then um, I got married, had a bunch of kids, and uh, needed some extra money. And before I knew it, I was in show business. And it proved to be very fruitful for you as well. You know, because you went on to do early you know early impressions, doing people like John Wayne, many others, being on the Ed Sullivan Show. What was it like being part of a classic show like Ed Sullivan? It was fantastic. You know, my father died when I was 11 or so, and and uh, Ed Sullivan, watching the Ed Sullivan show on Sunday nights became like, you know, he was he was like my father figure for a while. And uh, when I when I worked in Greenwich Village and I was <clears throat> pulled out of one of the clubs by the uh, talent coordinator and told I could do the Ed Sullivan show uh, uh, dress rehearsal, and if the if the old man liked me, uh, that's the way they put it. If the old man likes you, he'll find a date for you up the up the road somewhere. He liked me so much he cut time off the other acts to put me on that very evening. And um, and, and then um, I did like 17 or 18 more over the years. And um, it was a wonderful experience. It was the biggest show in the world. I mean, everybody tuned in, 50,000, 50 million people watching uh, on Sunday nights uh, at times. And uh, you don't hear that anymore. Well, you know, and you went on to, you know, you were no stranger to television because then you went on to, you know, being in Get Smart. And then, of course, hosting, you know, a syndicated half hour variety show as well. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I got to uh, go out there, and I, my first show was called Something Else, which I I created the title of, and and uh, I went on the road with uh, uh, eight beautiful dancers, uh, lady girls dancers, and and uh, traveled around the country uh, to where uh, uh, people uh, were lived uh, that were in, in uh, the business and the singers and this that and the other thing, and we filmed them in their own turf, and uh, and that went on for quite a while, and. Um, and after that, I was uh, Steve Allen's show. Uh, he was a big fan of mine. He plucked me from uh, actually. He's the reason I went out to California. I was working with Mel Torme 
at uh, Basin Street East with uh, Woody Herman and his orchestra, and um, and Steve came in to see Mel. They were friends from years ago, and uh, and uh, in Chicago, and uh, and I heard that cackle in the audience while I was working, and I knew he was there. And I went to my dressing room and was getting ready to go home, and the phone rings, and it's in the dressing room, and it's Mel, and he says, "Hey, come on over here, Tiger. Somebody wants to meet you." And it was Steve, and he said, "Hey." Uh, Hey, you're a funny guy, and if I have a show again, you're on it. And uh, not, not a few months later, I was called, and I, I went out to California with Mel, and uh, to do a, a, actually Vegas. And from Vegas, I I jumped to uh, L.A. to do the Steve Allen show, and then back to Vegas to to work with Mel. And then in the morning at seven thirty six, uh, I'd go into Steve Allen show, and and it was a quite uh, a wonderful uh, beginning. I mean, I, I I never had to go to uh, cattle calls or any of that stuff to get a job. I was just told that they want you here, they want you there, they want you here and there, and it was wonderful. And uh, and I'm grateful for it, and it's uh, it's a pleasure to to make millions of people laugh. I mean, what could be better, you know? Well, you know, and and speaking of people laughing, like you said, you never had to do a cattle call or anything like that. It's just been fruitful for you. And, uh, you know, uh, many of our listeners, you know, when we let them know that we're going to be speaking with somebody, they always have these questions. And many of them remember you from Hollywood Squares. Um, What was it like working on that show? Because it always seemed like it was so much fun just out there and being witty and having a blast. It was fun. I mean, and and you had you had some some possible answers right there in front of you. If you watch some of the reruns, you'll see people glancing down it. And if you had a better thought than the than the writers had, you just blurt it out, and uh, and uh, there it would be. And uh, we had a lot of fun, a lot of fun doing that show. I met a, a lot of wonderful people who are still friends of mine today. And um, uh, Peter Marshall was a good friend of mine. And. Uh, and uh, lots of others. And uh, as I said, I had a great time. Tina Turner. I mean, you know, all these great people would show up, you know, at, uh, <laughs> and get to say hi to them between, uh, between uh, changing clothes and that kind of thing. You did five shows in one day. Oh, wow. After the first three, there was a, a break for lunch. And that's when uh, that's when Paul Lind would have a little bit too much wine, and he could very funny. And <laughs> the last two shows were hysterical. <laughs> but that's the way. That's the way it was. I, I was I was going to say on that show too, doing five shows in a day, and you know, changing your outfits, things like that. Are there a lot of hijinks and just great stories that just never even saw the light of the day when the show aired that were just kind of off behind the scenes? Well. <laughs> Let me tell you one, okay? We're working, uh, we, we broke it down and we're working into, um, at the Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas. Uh, they, they had it all set up in the main room and, uh, uh, you know, we had dressing rooms were, were cubicles because they didn't have all enough dressing rooms for everybody. So we were in cubicles, uh, which are just walls between people, no ceilings and nothing else, just uh, an entranceway and a curtain, whatever. And uh, I'm in my uh, cubicle one day, and there's uh, Paul's in the next one next to me. And gee, I I smell something that you know smells like the hippies uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hanging out hanging out somewhere. And uh, and I said, Paul, uh, I, are you smoking marijuana over there? He said, Yes. They told me to stay away from liquor. <laughs> That was his answer. They told me I couldn't. Tell, I couldn't. I couldn't take liquor anymore. <laughs> so there's one, yeah. and another one that, which was a little bit kind of uh, on the on the not so pleasant side, was was this uh, actor from Canada, from England, John Cleese, and they had this thing about uh, 
if it is, they had this running line going, you know, if it isn't if it isn't funny, use a funny voice. Now, Peter Marshall and the writers used to set people up for what they did, more likely. You know, if they if they had if they wanted me to talk like, uh, they had like a duck question, uh, duck, uh, blah 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 blah, and and I'd say, full. And, and then the audience would laugh, you know, because I'd, I'd talk like that. And um, and so uh, I, I was talking like that to answer his question about a duck. And and Cleese is is, is on the uh, the um, the uh, cubicle above me, uh, the uh, box above me, the square above me. And um, and I go, oh, well, and I do I do that thing like that. And he goes, if it isn't funny, use a funny voice. Like that, you know. He didn't, he, and it was, it was, you know, he didn't know what the hell he was talking about. He didn't realize that that was that's what I was known for at the time, and uh, and he was getting a little bit sarcastic. So I, I, uh, I bit my tongue. You know, I would have uh, loved to have said at the time, "Yeah, it's a lot better than wearing a dress to make it funny." You know, but uh, <laughs> that's what the Brits like to do. They like to dress like women, and uh, they, they think that's funny to dress like a woman. Anyway. <laughs> that was the part that that, that was not too pleasant, but uh, you know, it was a it was a fun experience for most in most cases. Well, and and it seems like you know those are great memories that you can take away from it. And of course, you know that's going to lead me into you know more things on television and soap and being Detective Donahue. And you know you're working with you know many people like Richard Mulligan and uh, Catherine and Billy Crystal. Uh, you know. What was it like working on that show that, uh, it, you know, it was just quirky and fun, has a great cult following even to this day, and working along so many other people as well? Well, yeah, it was it was quite a, a pleasure. I mean, a big pleasure and an honor to be working with those people. And, uh, you know, I, when, I, when I first came on the set, uh, naturally they had known each other for a couple of years. I came on to do the last two seasons. And uh, and they known each other, so it was a little clicky. You know, it took a little while to warm up to it, and then to warm up to me. And and uh, but it was fun. I had a lot of a lot of a lot of good times on there with uh, with those people. Does it ever, uh, you know, does it ever shock you looking back at your career with things like Pink Panther and Soap and many of those, where you realize, wow, they still have you know legs today. People are you know buying these on DVD and they love watching them, and it takes them back to a time. Are, Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. It just stay they just stay alive, you know. The things were just continually uh, finding new avenues, you know, like the VHS and the DVDs and all this. So uh, you know, the residuals come in, and you go, "Hey, that's alive!" <laughs> so, it's, it's still, my little cartoon people are still working out there, you know, and uh, and it's fun. It is fun indeed. Calvin, you know, the block Calvin took five years to do. Uh, painting uh, by hand. They weren't using the computers as much. Well, you know, and that's what was going to bring me to The Black Cauldron because, you know, I myself, I love that film and all all the books that they were based off of are wonderful children's books. How did you get cast in The Black Cauldron? Because it was a definitely different movie for Disney. It was their first PG-rated animated movie and their first song, uh, animated movie without songs. Right, exactly. Uh, I, I, They were looking for a, a, a unique voice for the character Gurgi. And I had it. Lynchings and crunchings and all that good stuff. You know, and uh, and they they hired me to do that. And then uh, they needed some a voice for Dolly, and they asked me to try out for that, and I got that. And uh, 
you know, a few other little things. Well, and, and looking at that film, too, because it was such a change for Disney, and looking back at this, you know, this film that now has such a great following. People love it. And Gurgi is just one of those characters that's that's lovable. And, you know, if true Disney fans never forget him. Uh, is there anything with working on that and doing the voice of Gurgi and, and all that that really just really rings out to you that you remember in working on this film? Um, uh, let's see. That really working on the film. Well, you know, Joe Hale was always there. I like Joe, and uh, 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 he uh, he helped me out a lot in trying to, you know, get get what they wanted. You know, they 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 tell you what they want, and 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 for you know, I often I often <laughs> I often like I thought about when I was in the Navy. I, I'd go back to the Navy and I'd say, "Gee, if the guys could see me now," and the guy behind the glass is saying, uh, "John." In this scene, the frog's in love with the butterfly. So you know, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, um, it's like, uh, it's fast. It was fascinating to 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 go away for months at a time, and then to be called back in for new lines, and then they'd they'd watch me flail in the booth, and and they'd have the character doing the same flailing. You know, I noticed that when he talked, he'd do the same thing I did, and. And it was uh, it was it was fascinating to see how they worked it out, you know, and and um, and very 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 particular, like on the money, you know. It's just like uh, I came back from lunch one day and I had a couple cup couple of cups of coffee and and I got back into the script and the guy says, you know, Gergi's sounding a little higher now. Well, 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 it was the, it was the coffee, you know, it was the coffee. <laughs> so. So uh, you know, little bits and pieces like that you think never would happen uh, came came to pass, and uh, it was, as I say, to repeat myself, fascinating. Well, you know, and do you ever go back? You know, whether it's the Black Cauldron or anything else, do you ever go back and watch anything you've been in and kind of look it over and get lost in those characters once again? Well, you know, I I, I always I, I have the, uh, the the final two years of uh, of soap, uh, but it's still in the plastic wrapper. <laughs> I, I I think uh, I'm going to watch that someday, but but I I hesitate to do so because they're uh, you know I just uh, I'm just waiting I, for some reason I just I just um, it's not easy for me to watch it. And I don't know why. What? I don't know why. Well, you know, many actors, you know, they always say, you know, I just do it. It's my job. And then they never go back and look twice. But at the same time, you know, you're influencing so many people where this is parts of their childhood and parts of their life as well. So it's it has to be a great feeling. That's a, it's a great feeling. You know, the wonderful feeling is is going to the airport, you know, to catch a flight and people will stop me on the way to the plane and they'll say, oh man, I love the way you do Johnny Mathis. Oh man, I, hey, that thing you did to Gurgi. Uh, oh wow, you know, it's all different. It's all, they all love something different, which is kind of neat, you know? That's what I liked about the business was that there were just so many facets of it, you know? There's the talk shows and the this and the that's and the this and the that. And when you threw it that, there's a, there's a, a cartoon animation and this and that. And, uh, it just, it just kept me busy and it kept me fascinated and it, and and I just uh, I, I enjoyed uh, like ninety eight percent of it. <laughs> well, you know, and, and like I said, you know, you've affected so many people and and done so many films and roles that are iconic for people nowadays. And another one that I have to bring up that you know has its own cult following is Transylvania six five thousand and. Every everybody loves that film. It is just it's quirky, it's kooky, it's you know low budget, low budget camp, but it's great. Yeah, we went over to Yugoslavia to do that. We actually had a, uh, we actually worked on a, an actual castle. <laughs> it was amazing, uh, but cold. <laughs> you know, it's hard <laughs> to heat castles. Hard to heat castles. I think they they must warm up around August. 
uh, you know, they, because the thick walls and big, big, thick walls and, uh, and you hear dripping in the background someplace, you know. <laughs> so, uh, it was, it was quite a shoot and I had a good time doing that also. Well, you know, and looking back at your career, we don't want to keep you too long. You know, we know that, you know, there's so many different things you, you've done. I guess in, in looking back at all the different things you've done and, you know, all the different roles and, you know, like you said, you know, television series and movies and voices, are there anyone out there that is the, the one that means the most to you? The one that just you look back and you are always going to just remember that in your, in your memoirs, you know, to, you know, forever? Well, let's just see. <laughs> I did a lot of work with Bing Crosby, and he was a favorite of my father. So I, I felt a little, you know, uh, a close, very close to him, Bing Crosby. And I, I loved working with him. And uh, and uh, because because he was a favorite of my father, I, I felt uh, I felt really good about that. Uh, and, uh, and and working with Fred Astaire was fun, too. Uh, and um, all those guys that my parents were were fans of I I I enjoyed that because because I I felt they they'd feel good that knowing that I was with that person that they admired all their lives you know definitely you know I myself you know even though I'm younger I I'm a big fan of Bing Crosby for some reason I just I love his films and I just think that they're timeless so you know being able to work with some of these you know veterans in in cinema history and then you continue on to you know make your own legacy with people it just it really is has to feel great yeah. Absolutely. He was a he was an easygoing guy and very talented, as you know, an actor. He acted. He was. I mean, he in musicals and then he acted serious acting and 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 he just uh, he's a he's a heck of a guy. Heck of a guy. Well, you know, and in looking at, and looking at many of the other things too that you've done and uh, you know going through. I guess your entire career and, you know, working with Bing Crosby and, you know, doing all these legacies. And like you said, working with a lot of different people, is there any, anything out there that you ever look back at and you're like, what, what were they thinking? You know, cause you know, everybody knows Mork from Ork and, you know, you were cast in happy days to play that role. And, uh, you know, there's always the rumors that you thought it was just a silly, silly role. Is that, is there truth to that? Let me just, let me just tell you about that. They, they had that all twisted. They had that whole thing all twisted. I'm going to make it right for you. Um, <clears throat> I was invited to uh, to a dinner party with a girl I was dating at the time, uh, and, uh, and and a friend of hers was Ron Howard and his wife. His friends of hers were Ron Howard and his wife. And um, and uh, after dinner, uh, Ron Howard uh, told me about the, they're looking for someone to do uh, the, the Moore character. And, and I said to Ron, you know, he said, I said, I, I really, you know, I'd really like to get away from doing all the voices and the craziness kind of stuff. I'd just like to, you know, uh, do some do something else. I, I, I'm not interested in something like that. And that's as far as it went. That was far. <laughs> I did an audition. Nobody had me come into a studio. There was no script that I said was crap. None of that stuff that you saw in the movie. It was just me and Ron Howard and uh, and his wife and, and the girl I was dating. And uh, that was uh, that was that. That was that. And made a whole big, they made a whole big deal. I stomped out of the thing. I said, "This is that's baloney." You know, it's baloney. Well, you know, and, and that's why I love talking to the source because you know, so many times you read many things and you're like, "I don't," you know. There's always a bit of, uh, I guess, uh, I guess Hollywood behind the storytelling of what really happened many times. Yeah, absolutely, the real story. Yeah, you got the real story for the first time ever. <laughs> 
You know, now looking back at all these different shows and all these great things and, you know, doing comedy and voices and I, I guess, you know, as as we look back, I mean, you've been part of so many things for people, you know, from Love Boat to Garfield and, and you name it. And, uh, you know, doing all these, did you ever think that this is uh, the life you would have led? I mean, just looking back and it's like, wow, you know, you look at your resume and it's, does it ever just baffle you that you're like, wow, look at everything I've done? Yeah. I uh, had I had no absolutely no idea that this would happen. I I got tired of blue collar work. I needed money to raise my kids, and that's why I'm in the business. And I'm glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can say. I just I just love it. I think it's God's work. To tell you the truth. Definitely, I believe that. Uh, you know, I I don't I don't get too religious on the show, but I will say, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason, and and I'm with you on that one. Oh, thank you very much. It's good. Well, you know, with that, you know, I don't want to keep you too long here, but I guess in looking back with all your all your fans out there and everybody listening in, whether that's Soap, The Black Cauldron, you name it, um, do you have any final words that you'd like to leave out there for all of your fans out there who are fans of John? Yeah. I would like to just say that uh, I've enjoyed making you guys laugh and, and, uh, and, and I just uh, want to keep on doing that and... Uh, and being a part of the business. And uh, if you're interested in being in the business, I'll tell you what my, my mother said to me when I told her I was going to be in the business. She said, John, <clears throat> don't be dirty and never show them what you can't do. Very, very good words of wisdom. Well, John, it was our pleasure having you stop in and take this trip and uh, have some great stories. And uh, it was a pleasure. And, you know, maybe we'll connect up in the future once again. I hope so, Jonathan. And I hope it gets warmer for everyone. What are you doing here? Boogie's sorry he always runs away when there's trouble. He will untie everybody. Then we won't leave this evil place. Get on with it. Good boy, Gurgi. I long me. You and Flew to go with Gurgi. I must stop the cauldron. Oh, but Tyrant, that's impossible. Why, you'd be... Tarin! I'm sorry, I know me. Please, Tarin! No! You can't! My mind is made up! Wait, Master! Gurgi not let you jump into cauldron! Gurgi, get out of my way! Whoa! Whoa! Please, Master, not go into evil cauldron! If I don't, we're all lost! Out of my way! No! Gurgi not let his friend die. Taron has many friends. Gurgi has no friends.
magic of starlight When we feel our hands closing in a circle There's power in this moment we share The magic in the light of a star tonight We'll dream of anything Siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC82. Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome back down here to the grueling place we call the vault. Yes, we're bringing back the cobwebs, the spookiness, the cauldrons. Uh, Oh, I let something slip. Sounds like we're doing one of our Halloween shows all over again. But because Gurgi happens to be upstairs this week in the studio, I thought I would go and bring back the Book of Three. 
Wait, is that Charmed? Oh wait, something totally different. I'm bringing up Lloyd Alexander's books and film, as well as Disney's 25th animated classic, as well as some may call it the Black Sheep, some may call it the cult classic, but I like to call it Disney's The Black Cauldron. Now, Disney released this back in July of 1985, and of course, running off the heels of things like Fox and the Hound, and we'll go back further into the 70s with the Rescuers, this idea of these beautiful new films that are now post-Walt. What is this company to do? Well, going back to the roots in which they have always followed upon, taking books as their inspiration, why not go into a new route in which we could be bringing newer audiences to our fray as well as keeping the older ones with us? So, we gained The Black Cauldron. Never seen it? Well, shame on you. You should go and get the DVD now. Yes, that's right. There is only a DVD version of this fine film. You can also get a VHS copy, which I have both, but we are so hoping and praying that we will someday soon get a Blu-ray copy. It's only March right now, so who knows? It is uh, still early in the guessings of what other Blu-rays will be coming out from the vault this year. We're going to go to the land of Perdane, in which we meet Terran. He is a pig keeper, believe it or not. But the greatest of adventurers are always from humble starts. It is soon discovered that the Horn King is searching for one last relic that will help him raise his undead warriors of the Cauldron Born, and that is the Black Cauldron. Dalbin, the pig owner, tells Terran that it is very likely that Henwen is the main piece in order for the Horn King to receive everything he needs with the Cauldron, and asks him to take Henwen, yes, an oracle pig, to safety. But not being the exact adventurer that he is, Terran dreams of other lands, and unfortunately, Henwen gets captured. Of course, following his master's rules, goes after Henwen, and in doing so, discovers a new fun friend to help him out, and that's Gurgi. Gurgi, being a small fluffball that he is, is able to sneak into places far easier than Terran would be and goes into the castle in which Henwen is held, who of course flees, but of course Terran gets captured and thrown into the dungeon, where we meet new princess to the Disney pantheon, Princess Eloise, of course, never really seen in the, in the parks. Come to think of it, I don't think I've ever seen any collectibles with her, but one of the fierce female characters in the Disney pantheon. She has been captured, but knows that there is a means to escape beneath the catacombs of the castle. And there they discover the burial ground of the king, where he has armed himself with a sword of his own. Terran feels that he must protect himself, therefore takes the king's sword, which contains magic that allows him to fight the Horn King's minions. And along the way, we meet our third member of our new band, Flam, the comical yet magical fun bard and they escape, soon to be reunited with Gurgi. Still in hot pursuit of Henwen, our fearsome four discover the fairy folk, small group of fairies similar to Tinkerbell's friend in Pixie Hollow, only a lot darker. And it is soon discovered that Henwen is under their protection. 
While amongst the fair folk, the king of the fair folk know exactly where the cauldron is, and Terran, bound and determined to prove whom he is, states he will destroy the cauldron himself. Of course, an adventure wouldn't be the same without our remaining friends, so the princess, Flam, and Gurgi all agree to go along with him. And in doing so, the fair folk agree to take Henwen back to safety, to Dalbin. While going through the marshes, it is discovered that the cauldron is being watched over by three witches. The witches, upon seeing the king's sword, agree to make a trade. The sword for the cauldron. Tyrion, thinking he's doing the right thing, agrees. But before vanishing and the witches taking the sword, they reveal that the cauldron is indestructible. And the only means to relinquish the power that is within the cauldron is if someone climbs into it among their own free will. Catch, there always is one with an evil plan, it will kill them. Tyrion, of course, believes he's done the wrong thing, but with his friends behind him, his faith is restored and knows that he can do this somehow. But it, when every good plan is beginning, it is always crushed by the evil side. And of course, the Horn King soldiers discover them in the marshes, seize the cauldron and our fellow travelers, all except Gurgi. It is then time that the Horn King can now use the cauldron and raise the cauldron born to destroy the world he sees. However, our fuzzball himself manages to free the captives down in the castle. And it is at that moment that Terran decides he will be the one to cast himself in the cauldron. But before he can do that, Gurgi stops him and does it himself, sacrificing himself for the good of the people of the world and his new true friends. In doing so, well, kills the army. Although, the army is dead already, so are they are you really killing it? But in any case, the Horn King's plan is thwart, and with every evil plan destroyed, the evil king feels he must do one more thing, and that's of course destroy Terran. But before doing so, the cauldron is admitting all sorts of magic, and everything is going out of control and it soon brings him into a black hole. Hmm, black hole. Huh, that sounds like a really good movie. They should come up with that, maybe with a couple robots. I digress. Anyway, Terran finally realizes that he is a true hero with all that he's done. He's destroyed the Horn King, made some great friends, and of course, has saved the world. The three witches return and come to recover the now inert black cauldron. But there's one thing that Terran has learned through this whole thing. Other than never going into a marsh, be weary of a horned king, and quite frankly, always listen to a pig that's an oracle, is that true friendship is very hard to come by. And so in his final deal with the witches, he asks them, in return for the cauldron, can he return the true friend he's ever had in Gurgi? Well, the witches aren't going for this right away, and it's because of Flam and uh, a certain witch who has his eye. He challenges them, saying that they're not true witches, and the only way to prove their powers is to do as Terran asks and revive Gurgi. And they do it. Our band of four return back to Dalbin, and Dalbin is actually shocked that Terran was a true hero, even though he will always be considered the pig boy. Now, after I go through all of this, and granted, the smaller version in which I've, I've just explained this film, 
it, I don't go into a lot of the darkness that it is. But yes, The Black Cauldron is a dark movie. I mean, black is within the title. Black meaning a very dark and sinister world in which this story, heavily based on Welsh mythology, just because it delves in a little bit of a, a darker side doesn't mean that it's a bad film. And I think people need to put the critics' words aside and actually sit and watch a film on its own merit. Yes, it is the first Disney animated film to receive a PG rating. And yes, it is the first Disney animated film to be in Dolby Stereo since Fantasia. But with all that on, on it, the truth of the matter in this story is about friendship and what people will go through for the love of a friend. And on a side note, because you know I'm going to throw one in there, the movie that we actually saw isn't even the full version. It was an edited down version. And from what I'm understanding, there are a lot of people who are wishing to see not only a restored version of this film, but a completely restored version with many of the edits put back in to Taron and the Magic Cauldron. Now, the edition I have, and I know there is another edition out there, but I have the gold edition. So when you pop it in and actually want to watch it, there's only a few basic bonus features that you're going to receive on this DVD. Quest for the Black Cauldron Destination Game. It's a very basic trivia game that leads you through the land of Pirin. Really gets you to know the characters just to make sure you were watching the film. The cutest Donald Duck short minus Chippendale. Uh, I, I prefer my Donald stories with Chippendale. Uh, Trick or Treat, which is very fitting for this DVD. And of course, a still frames gallery. Uh, this DVD is also produced, again, in Dolby Digital 5.1 and in its original aspect ratio. So you can see, were the vault, not mine, but theirs, to be open again and release this on Blu-ray, I can only imagine what can be done. You know, I look at something like the restoration that has been done with uh, Sword in the Stone and 101 Dalmatians, and I see how pristine and beautiful things are looking. I can imagine that's the same thing we would get. It's already in 5.1 Dolby Digital. Can you imagine putting it into 5.1 or even expanding it to 7.1? This would sound phenomenal. And again, The Horn King is probably one of the most asked about Disney villains for those in the Disney know. He shows up now and again, maybe not stateside. I've seen him in Paris, believe it or not. I believe he's also seen in many Halloween celebrations uh, in Paris and I believe uh, heavily in uh, Tokyo Seas. So to have a character that's already known, I'm not sure if it's because the story's not as known or if it's the press that it was so bad at the time that people just have carried that on. But honestly, it's a great film. And I know I say that about every film we talk about down here in the vault. but. It's, it's time to put some things aside and actually let the film speak for itself as opposed to what critics have said in the past. So, with that said, go out and find a means to watch The Black Cauldron. I, just trust me, you are not going to be disappointed. I mean, come on, John Hurt as the Horned King? Yeah, you can't go wrong. And of course our friend John upstairs as Gurgi, well, 
I still hold a soft spot for that boy. And when you're fighting against the Tates and the Campbells, oh wait, wrong show, sorry, had to slip back to one of my all-time favorite non-Disney television shows. And quite frankly, I can't look at an apple the same way sometimes. But go out, find a means to watch The Black Cauldron. You will find that there is true heart in this film. Even with a pig that can see visions. So the popcorn's empty and the curtain's coming down. It can only mean one thing. It's time to say goodbye to you and all my friends. But that doesn't mean we aren't done. There are plenty of DVDs and Blu-rays to go through down here in the vault. So I'm going to file this one under F for friendship, and we will see you again next time. So until then, gang, remember the magic of Disney movies is always in the bottom of a cauldron, in the bottom of our hearts, and always deep inside of you. was a spirit so cruel that it was imprisoned forever in the form of a great black cauldron. Now whoever gets control of the cauldron will rule the world and destroy it. These are our heroes. The ones that will save us. A fearless fighter. But I'm not afraid. Ouch! A princess, currently without a throne. Ouch! And oh. a horrible pest, Gurgi. Munchies and crunchies in here somewhere. But look what our heroes are up against. Moose. Hmm. Creeper. A servant of evil. And evil is their leader. The Horn King. And his army of Deathless warriors. In 70mm photography and 6-track Dolby Sound, Wolf Disney Pictures presents The Black Cauldron. Soon the Black Cauldron Whoa! D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand, a new kind of Disney show, only on DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. All right, LVD head, so I am back once again, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It has been a fantastic ride, as we had magic, fantasy, and wonder, and I want to extend a very special thank you once again to our very special guest, Mr. John Biner. Yes, the voice of Gurgi and many other things. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule and taking that trip down memory lane and sharing all the wonder and magic with all of us D-Heads. I'd also like to thank the D-Team. No show would be complete without that D-Team. Otherwise, you'd have to listen to me ramble week in and week out. So I'd like to thank Aaron, Nathan, Caitlin and Jason all for stopping in here this week and adding your signature segments here at the show. Remember, you can always connect up with the D team on our official website at dizradio.com, dizradio.com. And most of all, I'd like to thank you, the D heads. Without you, there definitely would be no show. You are the reason we bring this show to life every single week. You are the reason why we do this show, and we're truly humbled to bring that magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney. So thank you, the D heads. So, all of you D heads, with that said, before I let you in, as to who's going to be stopping in here next week, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z radio.com. 
www.thepassionatedpodcast.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news feed, our Lifetime of Disney player, and more right there on our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at facebook.com slash John Diz. That's J-O-N-D-I-Z. And remember, you can always join up our all-new discussion group right there on Facebook, the Diz Radio's D-Wire, right there on Facebook as well. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, or Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. And remember, you can always subscribe to our latest show in iTunes and Stitcher Radio and get that latest show right there in your mobile device, your tablet, your Android, your iPhone, and more just by subscribing in iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So with that said, next week, show number 104, we're going to have some fun as we have somebody who's a voice actor, a TV veteran, and more. We have none other than Jonathan Adams stopping in here at the show. Jonathan Adams, who you may currently know on the hit ABC comedy with Tim Allen, Last Man Standing. He's also done voices for great films like Planes, Hulk and the Agents of Smash, Justice League, as well as great television sitcoms that have gone down in history like American Dreams. And Jonathan Adams is going to stop in and chat with all of you D-heads next week here at the show. And with that, all of you D-heads, I'm going to close out this week's show. Just remember, as I always say, take that time, slow down, and never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, I'll catch you online, see you everywhere else, and have a magical, magical weekend. Suddenly, something moved in an alcove above them. It was Gurgi. Master? Gurgi's sorry he always runs away when there's trouble. He will untie everybody. Then we all leave this evil place. Taran crawled onto a ledge directly above the cauldron. No, I can do something right for once. I must stop the Horned King. Gurgi sprang in front of Taran. No, Gurgi not let his friend die. Before Taran could stop him, Gurgi leaped into the cauldron. The cauldron began to shudder, drawing the horrible mist back into itself. The army of skeletons stumbled and collapsed to the ground. The Horned King turned on Taran in a rage. Big boys, you've ruined everything! But the swirling mists caught the Wicked King and pulled him into the cauldron. There was a scream. And he was gone. Taran, Ilanwi, and Fluter found a boat and escaped to a distant shore as the castle crumbled around them. The witches appeared before Taran. We'll take the cauldron back now, Ducky. You can have your soul. It hovered in front of him. Taran pushed it away. What do I need with a sword? Yet I will trade for Gurgi. The cauldron vanished. In its place lay Gurgi. The boy tenderly lifted the lifeless, shaggy creature. Suddenly, Gurgi reached for an apple. Munchings and crunchings. Taran laughed with joy. The Horned King is dead. Perdane is saved and all you care about is food. Come on, let's go home. Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.